Welcome to you on this Wednesday, December 9th. My name is Logan Lockhart, and this is Lock It Up Sports Talk here on the Fines Huddle Network. And with me today, Chris Faria, hockey writers, journalist, Toronto based. There he is. Chris, thank you for joining me. How are you today? Terrific, Logan. You know, uh, World Juniors right around the corner. NHL looking like it's gearing up for uh, maybe a mid-January start. So I'm in a great mood. How are you? I'm in a great mood, too. And I got to say, this idea of a Canadian division, it's becoming more likely. And you know what? It's kind of been an idea that's floated around longer than we actually might realize. And as we approach the new year, we approach Christmas time, this is something that we believe will happen. Logistically, it just might have to happen. Of course, under the circumstances. But let's talk about on the ice. And I know there's a world junior element to this as well. There's teams that might not send their players because of the border, right? And the world juniors are in Edmonton this year. But when I look at the Canadian division and I look at the teams that we're dealing with here, um, what I find interesting is this. We're going to have kind of MLB style series. You can have the Leafs going to Ottawa for three games. And that will be kind of the series, right? Um, would it be wrong for me to say the Leafs might run over this division? Um, I, I think it's something a lot of people, especially around Canada, don't want to hear. But I, I do believe it's true, at least on paper, right? Um, the Leafs, by all accounts, they had a really disappointing season last year, right? Um, they were pretty medi- mediocre throughout the season, like playing at about a a 95-point pace, I think. So just barely sneaking into the playoffs. Obviously, they went out in the qualifiers against Columbus, which was disappointing. But I kind of think that led a lot of people to forget just how good Toronto has been, right? They're just two seasons removed from 105 points. Um, I think some of their additions this year have kind of gone under the radar, right? A lot of people are, are... hyped on Joe Thornton, you know, it's a big name, it's exciting, but he's kind of at the end of his career. They're kind of overlooking the TJ Brody signing, I feel like. Um, yeah. If you look at the, their defense on paper now, right, with Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, um, TJ Brody, if Justin Hall and, and Travis Dermott are your number four and five, and then you've got a bunch of different options um, in terms of depth, depth pieces with Zach Bogosian, Miko Lettinen, all these guys. Um, it's looking like a pretty complete defense to me. And then if that was the Leafs' uh, weak point, I think they've really addressed it. And honestly, there's there's no uh, holes in this roster moving forward. Yeah, and I've talked to you before about the blue line. You like the Leafs' blue line. And yes, if we're going to call it the weak point, which a lot of people do, you know, there is improvement. Um, but I think we have to compare the Leafs specifically to other teams, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, do we have any word on if, they're going to play Ottawa or Montreal more than let's say Calgary or Vancouver, or it's just, just going to kind of be lumped into all one. And that's how it's going to be. You're going to play the Canucks just as many times you're going to play the sets. Yeah. I uh, haven't heard anything specifically about yeah how that might balance out, but from my understanding, it's, it's going to be about even between every team. So um, if they're doing like a 50 to 56 game season, they're probably going to end up playing everyone, what eight or nine times each. Yeah. So I, I think the Canadian division honestly benefits the Leafs a lot. Um, if you just look at their competition as opposed to the normal Atlantic division, there's no Tampa, no Boston, right? None of these true contenders for them to, to, to battle against. Um, a lot of these teams like Edmonton, Calgary, Montreal, Vancouver, they're all kind of in that mushy middle, right? Where they're kind of bubble teams in a regular, a regular season. 
Um, so if, if those are <clears throat> the best uh, teams the Leafs are playing this year, I think they're in a good spot. Now, you say it benefits the Leafs. Who does it maybe hurt in a way? Who's the team that's saying, oh, I don't know how I feel about this Canadian division. This can kind of give us a disadvantage <clears throat> as opposed to what we're used to. Would it be Vancouver? Would it be Winnipeg? Those are the two teams that I kind of look at, but who are you looking at? I'm, I'm going to give you a funny answer, actually. Um, if you go around Canada and ask each individual team, other than probably Ottawa, because we know Ottawa's in the basement regardless. Um, if you go around and ask each team, I think they all like their chances. Okay. I think, I think everyone kind of realizes, hey, this Canadian division is relatively weak. Um, if, if three or four teams are going to make the playoffs out of this division, I think every team uh, likes their chances, honestly. And you know what? I think, I think they all have a good argument, too. I think from Edmonton, Calgary, Montreal, Vancouver, Winnipeg, they can all uh, grab a playoff spot. Six out of the seven teams in this country were invited to play at the Stanley Cup qualifiers. And the one, of course, being Ottawa, who you've mentioned, most likely in the basement. But even they, you know, I think there's some optimism in Ottawa. Good draft, productive offseason, busy offseason from Dorian and company there. Now, the team that I'm intrigued by, though, is Montreal, right? Yeah. Montreal, there's got to be optimism there. I know the circumstance is a little weird, but they go into that bubble in Toronto and they play pretty well. And they, they beat Pittsburgh. They have some competitive games against Philadelphia. Do you think Montreal's feeling good about this year and saying, hey, we're under the radar and we can actually do some damage? Absolutely. You talk to anyone in Montreal, their, their staff, uh, their management, their players, they're all extremely hyped about the season. Their fans, uh, if you're on Twitter, you know their fans like their chances. Um, I'm not as high on Montreal, um, just because I, I do think the Domi uh, for Anderson swap was a slight downgrade. I know Anderson brings a different element, especially to a smaller team. He's, he's a big, powerful player, but we, we can't forget he's coming off an injury-riddled season, a very serious shoulder injury. Um, I believe he scored only one goal last season, so it's a gamble. It's To me, it's a gamble, and you're trading a sure thing in Domi, who's like a 60-point center. Um, some, some of the other moves have, you know, they make sense, right? The Jake Allen trade or, or acquisition uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, he's obviously going to give Carey Price less of a load, so Carey Price will be able to perform at a higher level in theory. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that works out. I really like Tyler, Tyler Toffoli. I think he's actually probably their best signing. Um, he's going to be a, a great top six piece, but at the same time, um, a lot of people are high on the Canadians because of, like you said, that, that, that qualifier performance where they went around against the Penguins. Um, personally, I try not to put too much stock in those short series, right? So just if we're looking at, you know, a five to 10 game sample size, yeah, they played great. Yeah, their, their young players look like they took a step, but can they do that over, you know, 50 plus games now? That's the question. And to me, they still have to prove a lot. Right. And, you know, all due respect to Montreal and you give them a lot of credit for beating Pittsburgh, but I can make the argument that was more about Pittsburgh and their performance. Mm. Right. I mean, I think we can say that. But let me rephrase the question to you. If this was a normal season, Okay, Atlantic Division, we have everything normal, 82 games. Is Montreal a playoff team? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say they're just on the bubble looking in because probably only three teams from the Atlantic would make it, I think. Yeah. 
I think Montreal's probably in the nine to 11 range in the East in a, in a normal season. Okay. So you don't think they would be a playoff team kind of like what we've seen in the last few years with Montreal anyway, um, yeah. you know, and they had that year a year ago now, a couple of years ago where um, they were just on the outside looking in. Um, let's go to the West though. And I think Vancouver's intriguing. What it, Vancouver did in the off season, it got a lot of people thinking and not everyone was happy with what Vancouver did in the off season. They lost some pieces. We understand the cap situation there is a little dicey. Um, Vancouver, because this is a team at one point, if you ask somebody in February, March, they could have said Vancouver's the best team in Canada. And that would have been a fair argument. But what are we looking at now with Vancouver, knowing what we're going to see with the Canadian division? Yeah, like you said, back then, they were, they were an excellent team. You know, they were hot going in the playoffs. I think they have two of the best young players in the entire league. I think Pedersen is actually underrated. For me, he's a top five center in the league already. Yeah. Uh, Quinn Hughes, obviously, in, was in the, the Calder conversation. He's one of the best young defensemen in the league. But a really important player that, that's, that was on the way out, unfortunately, because of that cap crunch, was their goalie, uh, Markstrom. Um, you know, he was, he was in the Vesna conversation for a lot of last season. And now it looks like they're going to go into next year with, uh, Braden Holpe, who's, you know, he has a proven track record in Washington, but he's on the older side now. Yeah. And they've got, uh, Thatcher Demko who going back to the small sample sizes. Yeah. He looked great in, in a few of those games, but he, he, he's very unproven at the NHL level. Um, if you kind of look at his, his track record, his NHL, uh, record so far, it's not too impressive. So for me, that's another gamble there where, where they're going to depend on a young guy to, to kind of take a huge step forward. Along yeah. with losing to Foley, Tanev, Stetcher, kind of, they've kind of gutted their defense even more. And then obviously the loss of Toffoli is huge. I think he's a, he's a really good piece up front. So um, yeah, the Nate Schmidt addition, addition helps a lot too. But I do think their, their depth is kind of a bit too weak to really compete near the top of the division. Yeah, I think that that's the question. Now, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned Demko. They're really high on Demko. Small sample says yes, but they've been high on him before that. You know, he couldn't even have played in the playoffs, and I could have told you they're very high on Demko. Holtby's the perfect bridge to factor Demko in that era. That's going to happen. They just couldn't pay Markstrom. End of story. You saw what Calgary gave Markstrom. No way Vancouver can make an investment like that when you got factor Demko sitting right there there's no way I think Holpe was a smart move I know people in Vancouver were questioning what's happening what's the direction here in the crease I thought it was smart um it's a perfect deal perfect bridge to your deal and yeah he's older but he's proven and Vancouver look I mean they took down the defending champs in the playoffs I mean they want to win now you got Pedersen there I think Horvat perfect leader perfect guy I think any team in this league would love Bohorvat uh, in their top six. So Vancouver, I don't think it's so bad, um, but Toffoli, who we mentioned, um, kind of an under-the-radar piece, and that Montreal is really going to like it, uh, Tyler Toffoli. Um, do we think Ottawa is the team that could play spoiler a lot? You know, I mean, that's the conversation around Ottawa, right? Oh, they're going to be in the basement. They're the worst team in this country. Don't you think that's going to kind of get to them in a way of, hey, let's play spoiler. There's only so many teams we've got to compete with. If we match up good against one or two of them, we could be better 
a lot better maybe than a lot of people expect. I mean, yeah, that, that's going to be their hope, right? To kind of maybe come out and s- surprise some teams who kind of, you know, maybe aren't expecting much from them. And uh, they might have the right pieces to do it, right? Uh, Brady Kachuk is, you know, that Kachuk family has that in their blood. The kind of agitators type player, they kind of get under your skin, kind of prove a point. And I think, you know, um, a lot of young players like that. Uh, Shabbat kind of wants to, you know, stake his name in the league as well. Um, I know they brought in Dadanov, who is a really another under-the-radar skilled player. They, so they might come out and surprise a few teams, maybe early on in the season where, when teams aren't expecting it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, after all is said and done, they do end up at the bottom still. Yeah, no matter what, they're still going to end up there. What about Winnipeg? What's the deal with Winnipeg? We heard about Patrick Laine. Whoa, he's going to get traded. Um, were you ever buying that? and buying that that was a realistic possibility for them to unload on Patrick Laine. Cap situation or not, I understand there's cap implications there. But just in general, the player himself. Yeah, I know I know. Laine's had some issues. Um, I think he played a bit on the third line this season, and he wasn't too happy about that. I think he actually even came out and made a comment saying, like, he, he wants to play with Shifley or something. Yeah. Because just their, their center depth is not the best there. Um, so obviously the player is somewhat unhappy. I don't think they're, the team is necessarily ready to give up on him just yet. He's still, what, about 23 years old. He's still yep. really young. He's the kind of player who obviously, he his 50-goal potential, he, this guy has Rocket Richard potential. So you aren't giving him away, you know, just, just on a whim. So I think if, if they do eventually get rid of him, which I think is, is possible, anything's possible, um, it's still maybe a year or two away until they're, they're ready to pull that trigger. But Winnipeg is they're kind of a weird team right they're I, to me they're, they're kind of the one team that's got lost in the mix here in the Canadian division where not as many people are talking about them they didn't really make any sexy moves this, this offseason um, so they're, they're they're kind of a wild card I think where they could end up towards the bottom or they could surprise everyone and, and grab a playoff spot too. With Patrick Lina he's got to be one of the streakiest players we've seen in this league in a long time. You know, I remember the Phil Kessel days in Toronto, there would be times where he would just be the streakiest player we'd ever seen, right? He'd have 10 game, you know, um, streaks where he would just be unbelievable. And then we wouldn't see him for the next nine games. And then the Leafs are out of the playoffs, right? So that's what would happen if Kessel. Lion reminds me a lot of that streakiness. And in Winnipeg, you know, look, we're in an era now where streakiness, it can hurt you, right? You got to have that consistency. Um, we like Hellebuck, of course, in net, but with Winnipeg, the last time we saw them was in that qualifying series against Calgary, and toughness was the issue, physicality, right? Calgary kind of outdid them on that front, and, you know, that really benefited Calgary. Let's go to the Oilers, though, and the Oilers, to me, that's a, a story that we haven't been talking about enough. They got knocked out by Chicago, a team that really is in flux. And there's, for me, I mean, with Chicago, they're in a place that I don't even know where they are, right? They're kind of directionless. And Edmonton, they lose. I know small sample size, small series. But are you going to kind of give the Oilers the benefit of the doubt on that based on, hey, you know, it was the bubble. It was a best three to five. And they got McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, I think you can kind of draw a lot of parallels in that situation from Edmonton to Toronto, right? Um, they're they're probably the favorites going into that series. Uh, didn't didn't have the best, you know, team performance. Maybe the, a bit of a letdown from the goaltending. 
And obviously, yeah, now people want to talk about, oh, uh, they're maybe not as good as we thought because they lost this one series. But if you look at the record last season, they were actually the best team in Canada. Yep. Um, they have Drysaddle just won the heart. Um, obviously, the best player in the league, McDavid. Um, I think the only complaint you can make is that they didn't make a ton of changes this offseason. Kind of their best, their best signing was Tyson Berry, who we know from Toronto was didn't look the best in Toronto. It was a failed experiment. It exactly. Really failed, failed experiment. So, you know, for a team that's also kind of been touted as weak on defense in Edmonton, if you're bringing in Tyson Berry to help with defense, I don't know how much that's going to help. But, you know, I think they have so much talent up front that it, it can kind of wash that away. Um, I do see them as a playoff team. I think just the McDavid-Dreisel combo is just going to be too much for, for a lot of teams to handle. Yeah, I think they can be really good in this division. And with Tyson Berry, let's be honest, he's a bounce-back candidate, right? I mean, it, we weren't expecting to see him play like that. At first, we're blaming Babcock, saying, wow, it just doesn't work under Babcock. And Sheldon keeps first game. Tyson Berry scored. And then we're saying, oh, look at this. Tyson Berry, he's back. We're rocking and rolling. It was a great trade. It just didn't work out. And there was no way. We knew in January. We knew that Tyson Berry was not going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf this season. We just knew it. Um, but Edmonton, they remind me a lot of Toronto. And if we're going to have the conversation about Toronto winning a lot of games in this division, we have to say the same about Edmonton. We just do. Who is the best team in Canada right now? Would you say it's between Edmonton and Toronto? Uh, I, I have to put Toronto as kind of the, the head and shoulders favorite. But I think in second, you could probably make an argument for three or four teams. Like I said, it's, it's kind of that mushy middle where Edmonton for sure is there. I think Montreal, you know, as, as much as I talk about them, maybe not being as good as the hype, I think they're still in that conversation. I think Calgary deserves a spot in, and even Vancouver just with their young talent is so good. So to me, those are the kind of the competitors for the playoff spot. Um, to, to me, Toronto really has to falter to lose that top spot, but we saw it happen last year. So it's possible. Make the argument for the Leafs because I'm going to speak or not speak, but I'm going to kind of think what the rest of Canada is thinking when you say Toronto's at the top. What if someone in Vancouver or in Edmonton says, Hey, there's no reason why Toronto should be at the top. There's been playoff disappointments. We don't know if this core can get far in the playoffs at all. There's questions on the blue line. Why should Toronto, you know, I know you're looking at the team on paper, but other than that, why should Toronto have the top spot? Make the case for the Maple Leafs. All right. So let, I'll, I'll start with the stats just because I'm a stats guy. <laughs> um, let's go back to 2019-20 uh, preseason predictions. Okay. We look at um, Dom Lecision of The Athletic. His model has the Leafs second in the NHL at 106 points. That's his projection. Obviously, they, like I said, they, they played at a 95-point pace last season. So they fell well short of that. Um, why did they fall short? Um, if you go back and actually dig into it, it was, it was mostly goaltending, right? Where Frederick Anderson, Anderson had his worst uh, season in his entire career. And then they had the backup issue where Hutchinson is not an NHL goalie and he was playing backup for far too long until they got Campbell. So they've addressed the goaltending issue. Campbell's here. He's, he's looks like a capable uh, backup, maybe even a one B um, Anderson. If he returns to just career average form, uh, they're fine in it. Uh, let's move to the blue line. Um, the issue has always been their, their defense, uh, at least according to most people you ask. 
Um, and they brought in uh, TJ Brody. Uh, I'm a big fan of Brody. If you dig into some of the more advanced numbers, he actually grades out as a top pairing defenseman. Mm-hmm. Granted, he's played most of his career uh, next to Mark Giordano. Yeah. Um, kind of a Norris candidate, Norris quality defenseman. Um, he's probably going to play beside Morgan Riley this year. Um, so maybe not, not quite the level of Giordano, not the all-around defenseman, especially not defensively. But I think it's going to be uh, the best partner Riley's ever had. So it gives them a top four of Riley, Brody, uh, Muzzin, and probably Hall. The Muzzin-Hall pairing worked out pretty well last year. So to me, that top four is really strong. Um, if you kind of go back to the statistical models, I think it's actually a top five uh, blue line in the entire NHL. At wow. least based on based on some of the, the stats like uh, goals above replacement, um, and up front, obviously um, they have the talent. Everyone knows um, if Matthews, Marner, and Nylander can continue to get better because we saw Nylander take a huge step last season. Just any little improvement there helps. And then the issue, the issue up front hasn't really been the scoring or the talent. It's been obviously the character. You know, questions about toughness. And I think everyone agrees they addressed that as well. You know, they brought in Thornton, a proven, a proven Olympian, uh, leader, winner, captain. They brought in Wayne Simmons, who I've been critical. I talked, I talked to you about that in the past. I'm, I'm not sold on Wayne Simmons, but he brings that leadership, that, that veteran presence. And if that's the issue, then they definitely addressed that. So you're a fan of kind of the veteran approach in the bottom six. And that's what they did, really. Um, there were guys that brought in that, hey, uh, they've been around, and maybe that's what the Leafs need. Now, remember in that Columbus series, right, when you had Engvall, you had Spezza, right? You had that line really thrive, right? And that was really the only line that I was confident in to have some energy, make some noise on the ice. That was giving Columbus problems. The only line, you know, if that can work out in the Leafs' favor, then I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to have success within this Canadian bubble. Um, But once we get to the playoffs, right, and this is where I'm going here, let's go outside of Canada, because the argument can be made that there's still a lot of teams in this league that are just ahead of Toronto, right, in terms of the path of progression. Carolina, you can say they're ahead of Toronto, really, right? They got a young team. They got young forwards. Blue line's good. They're ahead of Toronto. What about Philadelphia? Right? I mean, Toronto, they haven't taken that step. And I think that's what a lot of people in Canada, not in Toronto, would say, right? Do you think that it's a valid argument to make that the Maple Leafs are overrated? Well, yeah, it's if you're looking at playoff performance, absolutely, right? Because the way we talk about the Leafs, a lot of us in the Toronto media is that, you know, this team's a contender. Yeah. Uh, on paper, they're an elite team. I, I don't think anyone would argue with that. They're, they're an elite team on paper, but they haven't shown that in the playoffs. And in, in the NHL, where the Stanley Cup is the ultimate goal, and that's the measuring stick of a team's talent and success, they have not reached that level. Um, as a regular season team, I think, you know, they had two amazing years and kind of fell, fell off last season. Um, based, based on how the Canadian division is looking, I think they're poised for probably their best season so far with this group and then it's going to be up to them to carry that momentum into the playoffs and finally once and for all kind of defeat that narrative of uh, a choking you know overrated team Um, I think I've heard that the first two rounds are probably within the division 
Okay. So that's going to give them an even better chance if they're, you know, say up against Calgary or Vancouver, or Montreal in the first two rounds, as opposed to, to normal year where it's Boston or Tampa for sure. So just getting over kind of that Boston hump should help as well. So is that what we're hearing right now, that it will be the same amount of playoff teams and the first two rounds, the conference quarterfinals and the conference semifinals, those will be within your bubble. Yeah, what I've heard was the first two rounds will be within your division, yeah. Okay, so that changes a lot, I think, from Maple Leafs' perspective. I mean, what if you have Calgary and Vancouver? Just let's play that angle there, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they're two Western teams that – playing the Leafs in the playoffs, I mean, that is reminiscent of uh, the early 90s. Remember, there was a conference finals when the Leafs played the Canucks in 94. Um, that's a bet that, you know, that's an advantage. You know, if we like Toronto in this division anyway, that's a huge advantage. So give me your final take on the division here. Number one, there's a couple things I want to know um, briefly. Number one, do you think that this is going to be good for the league? And number two, do you think that this is a potential pandora's box situation where if this works out hey this canadian division it's not such a bad idea do you think that can kind of be a conversation in the future as well yeah you know i i I love the idea personally just because i feel like we don't get to see these canadian teams enough Uh, i think um especially living in canada you always hear about the the canadian markets we always hear about the oilers the flames vancouver even though we only see these teams twice a year. So I, I'd love to see these teams, you know, four, six times a year for sure. Even if they do go back to more of a traditional uh, arrangement, which I think ultimately they probably will just for travel reasons, it's easier to keep a team, you know, within the East. Um, I, th- I think they could look into expanding just the amount of times you're going to play the West teams, especially for the Canadian teams, if they can arrange it. So maybe it's four times a year instead of two. Um, to me, it adds a lot of storylines, especially within Canada. It adds to the, you know, the debate between fans that we love so much, and it just adds to the rivalries. And I, I just love, I love going out West, and I think they should definitely bring it back. Yeah, and I wrote a piece on this saying that the NHL, a rivalry-induced product, that is much needed, right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, no matter how you can get it, if it is teams traveling from Southern Ontario to British Columbia, hey, if that, whatever it takes, right? That's Chris Faria. Thank you very much for joining me. Where can people find you? Where can people listen to you? Where can people read you? So I'm on Twitter at Chris Faria TO and I'm on the Hockey Riders. Uh, you just search my name or, or go to the Leafs channel. I'm sure you'll find my work. There he is. Thank you very much. Any final thoughts on the World Juniors? You mentioned that at the beginning. Uh, we're going to get some Christmas Day World Junior Hockey for the first time. We're used to it on Boxing Day. It's a bit of a change up there on Christmas. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, from a Leafs perspective, I'm actually really excited. Um, the, the, the first round pick, Rody Namorov, is going to be playing for Russia. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, Nick Robertson, I think, is going to play on the States. And, you know, just a few prospects uh, scattered here and there. They're going to be really exciting to watch. So um, great for hockey fans all over and great for Leaf fans to see some of their young players. Wouldn't it be something if Lepernier was on Canada and Jack Hughes was on USA? Uh, that would have been something. But unfortunately, with the circumstances... It just won't be possible. That is Lock It Up Sports Talk with myself, Logan Lockhart. That's Chris Faria, hockey analyst, hockey writers. There he is. Thank you again, Chris. And that's it for a Wednesday, December 9th edition of Lock It Up here on the Fines Huddle Network. Until next week, here we are, signing off.
This has been an FHN production. Listen to our new shows every week on Thursday on any podcast platform. Also, check out our live shows on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Twitch.